Hey, everybody, I'm Dennis Prager. This is the weekly Fireside Chat. And I mean weekly, like I don't miss. You have no idea how much I travel and I still don't miss. This is very important to me. That's Otto needless to say. Otto needs no introduction. I need an introduction. Otto does not. By the way, you may not know this, but a little behind the scenes note. I do ask him if he's okay with this. I want you to know no animal was injured in the making of uh, of this uh, video. I, I just want you to know that as well. Uh, Otto, uh, Otto's motto in life is the famous one from old Mad Magazine. What? Me worry? That's his motto. Uh, during, I, I don't know what would agitate Otto. I have never seen him agitated. In 10 years, I have not seen him agitated once. His brother, the, uh, the um, Basset Hound, is agitated on an hourly basis and makes up for it. Otto, great to see you, old pal. Okay. All right, everybody. This is a chance. I just share thoughts with you. I take questions from you. And that's basically what it is. It's quite spontaneous, although obviously the product of many, many years of thought. So I want to talk to you about a micro slash macro issue. It's both. I divide issues into micro and macro. Micro, personal, macro, or social, societal, global, etc. This is both. So a study just came out. That's why I have a piece of paper. CNBC reports of a Harvard study that was just released. I read to you. Young people reported, this is 18 to 25 years of age, or 18 to 29, sorry, 18 to 29. Young people reported a range of serious mental health symptoms in the Harvard survey. A startling 68% say they have little energy. Let's begin with that. That's amazing. To have little energy between 18 and 29? 59% say they have trouble sleeping. That's a lot of people. Now, Now, of course, I never know if surveys are accurate or not. A lot may not be. So I have a rule uh, which has stood me perfectly in my life. Whenever I see the word study, I I assume it, it either comports with common sense or it's wrong. This comports with common sense. I think that a tremendous number of young people are, are having a lot of difficulties, a lot of difficulties with life. So I believe this poll. Otherwise, I wouldn't report it to you. 68% little energy, 59% trouble sleeping, 52% find little pleasure in doing things. I could cry. I mean, when I think of my life now, <laughs> let alone when I was 18 to 29, I like my days filled with pleasure. <laughs> my heart breaks for people who have this. That's more than half. have a poor appetite or are overeating. 48% have trouble concentrating. 32% are moving so slowly or are fidgety to the point that others notice. 28% have had thoughts of self-harm. One out of four young Americans, like, you know, cutting oneself. Okay, goes on. A November 2020 survey 
overseen by the National Association of Student Personnel Administrators, whatever that is, 3,500 full-time students currently enrolled in a four-year college degree program found that 81% of college students are experiencing significant levels of anxiety. Okay, let even, let's say it's even overstated. It's a lot. So I want to I talk to you about this because I think about this a great deal. I believe that what has been done to young people by the by, by the I was I want to say authorities but that's not the proper word by the society and by by its leadership political medical social you name it has been a crime it's, it's sort of almost a crime against humanity well get I mean one obvious example is you've been frightened out of your mind about covid when I see young people wearing masks out, outdoors, uh, my, my, my heart breaks for them. When, look, I don't think anybody should be wearing a mask outdoors, okay? That's science, by the way, okay? Just for, for those of you who have been brainwashed to believe that, that if you differ with the political authorities, you're anti-science. It's a political decision, masks, not a medical New England Journal of Medicine in, in, in a year ago wrote that they were largely useless. I, I've quoted that uh, study, and that's the most prestigious uh, medical journal in the United States. I've quoted that study on my show. I've read from it over and over. And young people who, the likelihood of a young person dying of COVID is so much less than getting killed in a car accident. Would you go in a car? Are you scared to go in a car? Then why are you scared of COVID? Because you've been made scared. In many cases, and I hate to say this because I'm a big backer of parents and parental authority, your parents have scared you. They mean well. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not yelling at them, but they made a horrible, horrible mistake. When parents don't let their five-year-olds play with other five-year-olds because of COVID, you know how many parents have done that? You know what harm they do to kids by not allowing them to play with other kids for a year, more than a year? No wonder there are so many. Look, this study is from 18 to 29, not five-year-olds. I'm afraid to imagine what, what the study would be from five to 10. I, I have grandchildren, five to 10. They've been playing with kids the whole time. As they should. Thank God my, my, my son and daughter-in-law are not in the scared category. They're in the rational category. Because that's, listen, there are times where it is rational to be scared. I admit that if I were swimming and a shark were approaching me, I'd be scared. That is rational because sharks eat people. Okay, that's a rational reaction. It is not a rational reaction for a young person to not to have gone to school. Sweden never closed its schools till the age of 16, and, and nobody died. Uh, the, uh, it, now, I'm not saying nobody died. In other words, nobody who otherwise would, wouldn't have died, died. People, people were fine. School should have been open this whole time. It was a, it was a criminal act. It's not a science act. This was a political act. Why is Florida so different from California? 
because Florida has a Republican governor and, and California is a Democratic governor. It has nothing to do with science. Florida followed the science better than California did. So uh, d- don't, don't go with that line, oh, it's anti-science. What I'm talking to you is science. And nothing is worse than fear. Do you know that a Democratic president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, said during the Depression, Americans, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. That was a different America. That was when America was the land of the free and the home of the brave. Anyway, back to you, if you're a young person, you have been scared by scared people. That's all it is. You haven't been scared by science. You haven't been scared by death chances. If this were 1918, you should be scared. Young people died at least as much as old people in the, in the, in the Spanish flu that killed so many people in 1918, 1919. But it's not the case now. It's overwhelmingly very old people, and not even just very old people. Very old people who were on the verge of death or who had a terrible comorbidity to begin with. Terrible heart condition, diabetes, bad, bad lungs. That's, that's who got killed. It's a tragedy, but it's not the same as 18 to 29 years of age. So number one, you have been scared out of your mind. But it's not just scared of COVID. You've been uh, another reason for all of this uh, terrible depression among young people is they're scared about their future because of this staggering idiocy of an existential threat. Existential, that's the word they use. That means, existential means, the existence of. So you're told that the existence of you, of all humans, of biological life is at stake because of carbon emissions and global warming. That is not science either. That's, that is a gigantic political decision to change the economic life of the Western world in particular. If people, by the way, just as a parenthetical thing, if people really believed that global warming uh, was caused entirely or overwhelmingly by carbon emissions and that the global warming was going to kill everybody, they would be the biggest advocates of nuclear power. There's no carbon emission in nuclear power. The fact that they don't advocate nuclear power shows that they have no, it has nothing to do with science. Nuclear, I'm totally pro-nuclear power. It's safe and, if you will, clean. Green. You can't get better green energy than nuclear power. I'm not going not to make a world based on, on, uh, on wind and solar. It's a, it's, it's, it's a fantasy. It's not, it's not available to us at this time. And I'm not a climate denier. I believe the climate is getting warmer. I believe that carbon has something to do with it. What I don't believe is that there's an existential threat of global warming. That's the lie. For the last 30 years, I've been told constantly, we have 12 years till it's too late. Al Gore said that in 1990 got a Nobel Peace Prize for saying it. Don't talk to me about the Nobel Peace Prize. It's another subject for another time. So so you've been frightened. You'll die of COVID. You'll die of global warming or you'll drown. Well, drowning is dying. You will die of that. 
That's so. So you have been frightened, utterly, utterly irrationally. My heart breaks for you. Just don't buy it. Never walk around afraid in any event. It is paralyzing fear. You won't live. The purpose of life is to live fully. That's that is the, that is what life should be lived. Not not in fear. I'm a big Bible fan. And you know what God says the most frequently to human beings in the Bible? Do not fear. That's cool. Good advice. But what would God know? Anyway, that's two things. Then there's a third. Not only is your future awful, young, young Americans, your past is even awfuler. You, you, you are members of a systemically racist society founded by slave owners and genocidal maniacs. Right? That's what you're told. Don't be proud to be in the, in the country that has done more good for the world than any country in human history, the United States of America. The freest country in the history of the world. The place where the most people in the world want to go to if they want to leave their country. The United States of America. And you've been taught to be ashamed of it by very sick people, sometimes very bad people. Not always, but either sick or bad. I don't blame you. I don't, frankly, I read those statistics, hard to blame you. If I thought my country is awful, always was awful, I might die if I don't hide from the world and hide my face from the world, and I will die in the future because of global warming. I'm not sure I'd be all that happy either. <laughs> but, it's, but it's all wrong. I, I blame parents. I blame teachers. I blame politicians. Every, everything, has, everything has just been corrupted. Should see, what, see what Disney is doing with its, with its messages out there. If you say that you're colorblind, this is, an, this is a, a Disney uh, a statement. If you say you're colorblind, you're a racist. Not amazing? The whole point is to be colorblind. That is the whole point in life, is to be blind to color and totally aware of character. You are your character. You are your behavior. You are not your color. Your color doesn't mean a damn thing. Okay? Just know that. It means nothing. And if you think it's important, that is the definition of racism. The only people until, till right now with the woke, the left, who ever thought race was important were Nazis and Ku Klux Klan members. They were the only groups that considered, that considered race important. Oh, obviously racists in the past where, where they really did think race was important. That's why they could enslave you. I fully acknowledge that. But I thought we graduated from that at least a half a century ago. So I, I, I am not surprised. But that's not, these are not the only reasons for, the, for the, uh, the great amount of depression among young people and not wanting to get out of bed even and, and all the and lack of energy. You need a sense of purpose in life, whether you're 18 or 80. And they... They killed one of the biggest, religion. Religious people are happier. Religious people have far fewer of those symptoms. I'm one of them. Yes, I claim the worst thing you could be today 
well, there are a lot of candidates for worse things. White, heterosexual, cisgender, male, that's a bad one. But add to that religious, believe in Judeo-Christian values, yeah, fills my life with a lot of joy. I have a weekly Sabbath. It is, it is my key to, uh, to sanity. Have I ever talked about the Sabbath on a, uh, as, a, as an opening statement? It's been a while. I should do that again. Uh, they just had an article. Who, who, who did it? It was just in the Wall Street Journal. And I forgot uh, who wrote it. I, I, know, I know the person. On, on the staggering importance of, of the Sabbath. To take a day away from the world and be with friends and family. Well, I do that every week. That's, that's, that's great. I have a community. Tell me, I want you to name a secular community. Everybody can name a religious community, their church, their synagogue, as example, their Bible study group. Name me a secular community. I'll give you 10 minutes while I uh, smoke a cigar. Really? Name a secular community. I mean, there were. They're, they're the Rotary Club, the, the, the Lions Club, but you know how many people are joining that, and especially young people? You don't get a community in secular life. In fact, you don't get much in secular life. You certainly don't get wisdom. Secularism is good for government and crappy for everything else. Just the way it is. We are sowing, no, we are reaping what we have sowed. We have robbed Americans for three generations of God, of the Bible, of love of America, of appreciation, of freedom, and now we are reaping what we have sown. The statistics that I just read to you. Oh, wait, I'm not done. Of course, another thing that brought most people meaning in life was getting married. And then hopefully having children. But that's also been robbed from so many young people. Oh, you're a, you're a young woman. Why would you think... Uh, until your career is uh, established, why would you even think of marriage? In fact, the message might be, why would you think of marriage anyway? A woman doesn't need a man. That's the message I got when I was in, in uh, college in the 70s. It's a long time ago. This, this is not new. You know what the motto was then of the feminists? Very famous motto, a woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. Cute. Isn't that cute? Fish don't need bicycles. Women don't need men. Right. So look at all these young women now all so happy as they're pursuing their career as CEO or communication specialists or gender studies majors. Ah, I'm sure you're all happy. Compare yourself to, uh, to a 25-year-old who got married and uh, at 28 is going to have a child. There's no comparison. Do all marriages work out? Hey, of course not. I'm divorced, but I have a very, very happy marriage now, 15 years. So if you, if you get divorced, so, so you get divorced. It's a tragedy, but it beats never having gotten married. I got to do that one once. I did that on the radio. Oh, people were shocked. Better to have been married and divorced than never to have been married. Uh, I'll just give you a little hint. Better to have driven and had a car crash than never to have driven. Okay, that's my analogy. Life is supposed to be lived with risk. 
what you have been told, again, addressing young people who are watching this, you have been told to have a safe life. So there were safe spaces at campuses. Nonsense. There's no, you know what a safe life is? A dead life. A life that produces the data that I just read to you. People who don't want to get out of bed. You want to be perfectly safe? Stay home. Don't get married. Don't have children. Don't take risks. Just to protect your health so that you could li live a healthy, meaningless life. What a joy. The purpose of life is to live fully, not long. Just for the record. You live long, it's a bonus. But it's not a bonus if it's meaningless. Better shorter and meaningful than long and meaningless. Because you die anyway. The trick is, the question is, how did you fill the years that you had? That's the question. So that's why I, those data exist. You've been robbed or dissuaded from everything that could be meaningful in your life. Okadok, let's take your Q&A, or at least your Q, and I'll provide the A. And we begin with a video question. Hi, Dennis. My name is Sarah. I'm 21 years old and I'm from Los Angeles, California. And my question is, I have recently become a Catholic again. I found my way back to the church after almost a year of not practicing any aspects of my faith. As someone who is deeply religious, what do you think is the best way to return to your faith? And do you have any advice on how to become a more devout religious person? Well, you, you asked me my favorite question. <laughs> And by the way, I, I love that people of, of different religious backgrounds ask me these questions because I, I have an agenda only that you take God and the Bible seriously, whether you do as a Protestant, as a Catholic, as a Jew, as an LDS, uh, whatever it might be, that's, that's your business. My business is to hopefully have you take Judeo-Christian values, God and the Bible seriously. So anyway, uh, yes, I do have advice. My my, this advice, though, is very personal because it's worked for me, and I hope it works. I think it works for a lot of others, not for everybody, but for a lot of others. My road to God and religion is through, uh, uh, through the, the mind, more than through uh, the heart, uh, even, and more than through uh, emotions, which is related to the heart. Uh, I am very, very rational and I am very reason centered. And if, if something doesn't make sense to me, I have a problem with it, whether it's secular or religious. So I, I would read a lot. I would study the Bible a great deal. And yes, I will make an ad right now for my Bible to begin to be the beginning for you, the rational Bible, because if the Bible isn't explained, it's not obvious why it's so great. Just like Shakespeare. I always need a, a, an explanation on Shakespeare, even though English is my native language. But the, it's certainly true for the Bible. So anyway, get the rational Bible. Uh, and then any, any other commentary that is meaningful to you, join a good a Bible class. There are two things that uh, I would answer you with. One is the, the life of the intellect. And you as a Catholic have a tremendous reservoir 
of great Catholic thinkers. Now, you shouldn't restrict your thinking to Catholic because other Christians and Jews and others have written uh, major works. But certainly as a Catholic, you have a great reservoir of, of intellectual writings from the church fathers uh, almost 2,000 years ago until, uh, until today. Uh, the other is behavior, intellect and behavior. You should go to church every week, even, even when you're not in the mood. Now, you've got to find a church that, that has, a, that has a, a priest in your case that is actually teaching what, what the faith teaches and has not been wooed by the woke. But nevertheless, being with other people in a communal prayer setting is a very powerful experience, especially if done regularly. Habit is the key to a good life whether it's the habit of exercise or the habit of reading or the habit of writing or the habit of church or synagogue, that I'm a big advocate of. Have a communal life. Every Sunday after church, you should get together every, not most, every. You should get together with friends or family or both and have a, a, a meal that's special honoring the Sabbath day. I do for my Sabbath, which is Friday night to Saturday night. So I, I am with friends. My family is uh, uh, on the other coast, so I, it's not usually with family. I am with friends every Friday night. There is virtually no exception. And as I said earlier, it's an island of happiness and of stability in my life. Same with lunch with friends after uh, the services that I teach at. I teach every Saturday morning. I teach Torah at a service. And this fills my life. So behavior and intellect. That's, that, that is the way to, to start taking any religion seriously. Next. All right. Darren in Sacramento, California, 31 years old. Dennis, exclamation point. You mentioned in prior fireside chats that you learned not to have expectations in life. Correct. Yet I've also read in The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale that in order to get the best in life, we must expect the best. I don't know how to reconcile these two forms of thinking. Is one way more beneficial than another or maybe a combination of the two? I appreciate your time. You're a voice of reason in a crazy world. That's true. I am a voice of reason in a crazy world. It's, I'm not uh, boasting. It's just I know that's true. I wish it weren't. I wish I were a voice of reason in a rational world. <laughs> anyway, uh, I know that. I, I, I acknowledge that. In fact, when, I, when I've spoken for businesses on happiness... Uh, I acknowledged in the speech, I'm telling you the opposite of what you're told at this, at whatever business is, this is. You're told you should be expect to make the most sales for, let's say you're in the sales force of your company. Uh, and you should expect to do that and then you will do it. And I said, I'm sorry, maybe that works in terms of getting you animated but it's not going to help your happiness. Only one person could sell the most. 
So by definition, every, every other one of you is going to have your expectations shattered. Does it, I always wonder, I don't know the answer to this. Does every baseball player at the beginning of the baseball season expect to win the World Series? Expect to win a batting title? Expect to have the lowest earned run average for a pitcher? If they do, they're really setting themselves up for a big disappointment and, and a lot of unhappiness. All you can do is your best. But to expect the what is not rationally likely, how could let's say let's say there are forty people in sales at your company, all forty expect to make the most sales that year, so thirty nine are going to be deeply disappointed. Is that right? That's a definition. So I I I don't see the point in 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 expecting what is overwhelmingly not likely, especially if everybody else expects it. I, I don't expect anything. So I walk around staggeringly grateful. I have my whole life. Gratitude is the mother of happiness, not expectations. In fact, even if your expectation is filled, fulfilled or filled, whichever term is proper, you, you won't be happier because you won't be more grateful, right? You expect to wake up healthy tomorrow. You wake up healthy tomorrow. You're not going to be grateful. You expected it. It's what we don't expect that comes true, that gives us gratitude. I don't expect to be healthy tomorrow. I think I will be. I'm not an idiot. I, I, I don't think I'm going to have a heart attack today. I don't think I'm going to wake up with a tumor tomorrow. That's true, rationally. But I don't expect it. Because somebody in my exact same condition will wake up with a tumor tomorrow. That happens, right? Cancers start on some date for everybody. Who has cancer anyway? So I'm a big, a big advocate of not having uh, a lot of expectations. How are we? Thirty. Thirty on the dot. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take so many more questions. This is a painful part for me at uh, this because I I look at the questions. Maybe I should one time just answer questions. What do you think of that? I like that. You do. If Megan likes it, I like it. <laughs> Megan is the power behind the throne at this uh, fireside chat. Just, she's really earned the title. What number is today, by the way? 186. 186? Consecutive. I wasn't there for the very Oh, you were in the, the first, maybe the first few weeks, yeah. First few months. But pretty much so. Well, anyway, I wish I could take more questions, and I, I, I will. But it was so important for me to tell you how so many of you have been deprived of courage and, and love of life and the right values and love of country and love of God, or at least love of a godly life. I have mixed emotions toward God, just for the record which drives a lot of religious people a little nutty. But I have a very good essay in my book of essays on uh, the most difficult commandment, loving God. I, I See, I'm very rational. I'm annoyed with God about all the suffering in the world, but I have no doubt that God exists or gave the Ten Commandments. I, uh, 
I live with both reason and religion quite happily. All right, y'all. It's been great to be with you. I hear Otto uh, is uh, moving around. Is that correct? You know why? He knows it's been a half hour and he's the man. See you next week. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.